Hello gamers, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cartridge Club. The Cartridge Club is a community of gamers, collectors, content creators, and gaming enthusiasts of all generations. This show that you're listening to is effectively a monthly book club, but for gamers. We pick a game, invite everyone in the club to play along, and select a couple community members to come on the show to discuss the game. My name is Ryan, aka it's Rocket Sauce, and I'm one of the hosts for this show. Without further ado, let me introduce the panel for this month. From the 2017 Cartridge Club Podcast of the Year, we have both hosts from Start to Continue, and that's Joe. Hey guys, thanks for having me back on. And Bill. Hey, Rocket Sauce, how's it going? I think you meant to say it's Bill, then Joe. I think something got mixed up in the your notes. No, no, no. Just for next time, Bill, then Joe. Hilarious. Thanks for being here, guys. With that being said, I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, Musty Hobbit, who let us know what game we are playing for this month. Thank you, Ryan. And again, thank you, STC boys, for being here. For June, the Cartridge Club has been playing the pinnacle of the Uncharted series. We're playing Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. And uh, we're very excited for this one. I think I, I, I may be predicting myself a little too much, but I feel like we're going to have a pretty uniform feeling on this show that we haven't had in a couple of months. Ryan, I think I think you and I are probably on board feeling overall feelings on this game. I, I think we're both. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. yes. Good. Make for a good conversation for sure. Um, now we always like to start these off. I do want to again, call out the fact that uh, we are recording this live in front of a YouTube audience. So I want to thank those who've taken time out of their night to join us here this evening. Uh, and you should keep an eye out on our Twitter account because we make a point of announcing those recording dates there. So uh, check that out at Cartridge Club NA. But let's get into the conversation because we've got a lot to go through here. And we always like to start off our show with a little bit of a breakdown. Uncharted 2 Among Thieves is an action-adventure game developed by Naughty Dog and published by Sony Computer Entertainment exclusively for the PlayStation 3. It was released in October 2009 and is the sequel to 2007's Uncharted Drake's Fortune and the second installment in the Uncharted series. Set two years after the events of Drake's Fortune, Among Thieves follows Nathan Drake and Chloe Frazier as they search for the entrance to the lost city of Shambhala and the fabled Chintamani Stone in a race against Serbian war criminal Zoran Lazarevic and his army of mercenaries. A critical and commercial success, Among Thieves was universally acclaimed by critics who praised it for its gameplay, set pieces, characterization and storytelling, multiplayer mode, visuals and art design. Uncharted 2 Among Thieves received over 200 Game of the Year awards and is praised as being one of the best video games of all time and even landed at number 86 on the Cartridge Club's top 100 games of all time. It remains to this day the most critically acclaimed installment in the Uncharted series. So with that kind of recognition, it'll be interesting to see how our panel feels about Drake's second quest. So let's take a deep, death-defying leap right into their overall impressions of the game. Look, what can I say? Uh, Uncharted 2, I loved it. It was a great time. I had only played Uncharted 1, and then um, I think I played The Last of Us, and then I moved into Uncharted 2. And uh, the game just got better and better, in my opinion. And it was a fun adventure, action-packed. I love the cinematics, storytelling. It was like, you know, controlling a movie from the start to the end. It had lots of uh, ups and downs. Yeah, I loved it. It was a great time. I, you know, just 
couple little tiny things bug me, but otherwise it was a great game in my that's opinion. Awesome. That's awesome. Now, Joe, how, how about you? Uh, what are your thoughts on Uncharted 2? Well, I just finished uh, playing it at 2.30 this morning. But for me, that was my second playthrough. I originally finished playing this game for the first time January this year. And that was after finishing the first Drake's about one month before. So I sort of went from number one into number two. And I've been sitting on actually all four games for quite some time. And uh, I, I just finally got my ass in gear and, and started playing them. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was definitely a step up over the first uh, Drake's. Basically, uh, I had to take it on the perception of, because I've already played it and finished it fairly recently in the past, I had to sort of take a different perspective on it. And I tried not to uh, have that be too judgmental for me in terms of how I rated the gameplay and everything, like if it made things easier because I sort of remembered what to do as I progressed through the game. But um, I think I'm in the same category um, or arena as most people with this game. I, I gave it personally uh, my first playthrough a nine out of 10 and second, I'd eight, eight and a half out of 10 in terms of enjoyment um, is very cinematic, very wide scoping in terms of its music, the, uh, the artistry of it uh, in terms of uh, graphics, uh, gameplay, game control, uh, storyline and, and, the, uh, the depth of the characters in the game. So I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I finally got into it. And when this podcast is over or this record, uh, this week I'll be starting uh, Drake's 3. Sweet. That's awesome. So you more recent to all of the games in general. Bill, I didn't I didn't get to ask you. You, you said this was your second time playing 2 or you played it multiple times in the past? Yeah, I just played it uh, earlier in the year or maybe December-ish of last year, and then I uh, picked it up again for this month. Okay. So two Excellent. times through. You didn't right. watch someone play it on YouTube this time, Bill? But can maybe, can someone get Joe to give his insights without reading it off a piece of paper? I can't to, remember everything. So we can get That's a true. Why. That's why I wrote it down, dude. Can we get like an honest, re- what were the numbers? You you gave numbers? 7.2 or no, something? nine out of 10, what? and then eight, eight and a half out of 10 Who does this? Second. Well, how else do you rate a game? I give it 8.9 and a half tell for me the more, second playthrough. Tell me more about the ups and downs of the game, Bill. <laughs> what were they for you? And we'll get into it. Don't oh, worry. That's your we will. We will. We will. I, I want to hear from Ryan. Uh, I want to hear from Ryan first. Yeah. Ryan, tell me, tell me about Drake 2 for you. So Drake 2 was very much a game that I don't think I was willing to play right away. And if it wasn't for the push from one of my friends who had a PlayStation 3 at the time, because I wasn't the biggest the biggest fan of the first game. It was it was a fine game. It was okay. But that's all I saw it as. It was just, you know, I was it wasn't gonna make me rush out and buy the sequel kind of thing. If it wasn't for a friend who beat it and then handed me over and said, No, you need to play this. This is a vast improvement over the first game. I I, I probably would have been as big of a fan of the franchise as I am today. Yeah, this this isn't my first time playing it through. It's probably my third time playing through, and this this is the first time I I played it on the Nathan Drake HD collection for the PS4. I, upon pl- beating it for the first time on the PS3, I I immediately replayed it again a second time. And it's most likely due to that opening scene in the game where you you wake up and you're in this train. And I remember that experience back in what 2011. This game came out. I re- I was just like taken back. I was like I. 
I haven't seen too many games do that where it's just that kind of adventurous feel. I I love adventure games, so it was just kind of like that. Whoa, this is this is kind of pretty crazy here, and I liked how it just threw me in there, you know, and then then start going into the story. I, I kind of liked having that opening. It uses it a little bit as a tutorial too, but yeah, I'm very much a fan of the franchise. It made me excited for the third game and the fourth game and the spinoff, which came from it too. Um, it made me generally a fan of Naughty Dog's games going forward, where I now ultimately trust almost anything they make these days. So, Very good. Yeah, so I uh, this is my first time playing through uh, just a, over the last couple of weeks. And part of that is because historically... Until 2017, I was uh, I did not have a PS3 and did not have a PS4, and that has since changed. And I've it's been nice to go back and kind of hit all of these games that I've that I've missed and that have been like, what what were you thinking missing this? Uh, and and that is that is Uncharted 2, like in a nutshell for me is like, what took you so long? What took me 10 years to play this game? Like it it's baffles me. I did play the first game in the series two years ago. It was it was the U that I needed for my uh, CC ABCs in 2017, and then I just I waited. And then when we made the decision that we were like, "Hey, let's we need a Sony exclusive. We need a you know a big hitter Sony game." I'm like, "Well, Uncharted 2 fits the bill." So I totally waited then, uh, and and I'm. I'm glad I gave it time. Uh, like jumping from the first game into the second game, it is. I, I suppose you would see a dramatic uh, shift in gameplay features and things like that. Like it just plays so much more smoothly. But I think the 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 bigger aspect, which I think we'll get into, is is how different the uh, the, the characters feel dramatically different in this game that they than they did in the first. They were just kind of devoid of there was something missing and they found it with this game. And, and maybe it's just because they were able to kind of hit the ground running with the story, get you straight into it. And, um, but yeah, I, I am a big fan of this game and how this game played out. I am motivated to look into the other games in the series uh, at some point. Uh, I'm not sure how soon that will be, but I do definitely want to get through them, but uh, I really, I really dug this. And so I, I'm glad to hear that we're all kind of in the same boat here. It means that, I mean, well, you guys, to those of you who were expecting that we might uh, have a gush fest over this game. I, I don't know. Like that's if that is probably what's going to happen here, but let's get into it. We've got, we've got quite a bit to go over, but let's talk a little bit about one of the biggest things, Joe, you mentioned it, uh, the, the, the ways, the way the characters are fleshed out here. Do you want to talk a little bit about Nathan Drake and who he is? Because he obviously is our, is our protagonist. Should we start there and then kind of, we'll kind of, we'll kind of walk through the story a little bit, but there's some things I want to touch on as far as who Nathan Drake is. Cause in the first game, I know some of the criticism is that Nathan Drake is just a killing machine. And, and I don't think that that is the intention. Joe, how did you find Nathan Drake in this game? I'd have to say, I, I looked at him more as like a, not like you said, like a, a killer um, as some people thought he was in the first one, but in this one, he's, he seemed more of um, an adventurous, the thrill seeker, I think is probably the best way to uh, describe him. 
It just seems to be with anything that he comes across, uh, even at the first start of the game when he's talking to uh, Flynn and uh, Chloe, you know, and, and they start teasing him by saying uh, they gave him uh, Marco Polo's uh, note that says, I did not tell half of what I saw for I knew I would not be believed. And then they have to then explain to him where they have to go in terms of uh, uh, Turkey, right? Into the, uh, was it the museum or something? Yep. So they, they are looking for an oil lamp. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the there's just some nondescript oil lamp that happens to be in this museum, right? So they already know from history of other people that the fact that it's almost hundred percent chance of them being caught and whoever gets caught there tends to be imprisoned for X amount of years automatically, no trial or anything like that. And that doesn't even deter him. So I think thrill seeker is probably just the best way to describe him. Um, he also has obviously, as we've seen throughout the game, uh, certain situations where he interjects comedy into uh, scenes where, um, you know, their lives, their lives are on the line or they're in a, a harrowing situation and they he throws out this quip one-liner a lot much like you know similar to like an indiana jones kind of movie so he's got that sort of uh not comic relief but uh lightheartedness that just attracts you to him and his personality even more yeah i i, I think I, I think i like that about about him quite a bit and it certainly certainly fits into that movie uh, that movie protagonist kind of almost Han Solo-ish as well, or anyone else played by Harrison Ford at some point. But yeah, so he he uh, he goes on this mission with uh, Harry and Chloe uh, to try and get this oil lamp, which is supposed to house the secret to Marco Polo's lost fleet, as far as like where where that fleet washed up uh, and. In the process, Harry ends up pulling a uh, fast one on him and ends up getting uh, getting him caught while he gets away with the information that was inside the lamp, correct? Absolutely. Yes. But let's just say it, though. Uh, Drake is a dirty thief. We're talking about his character. He is a dirty, dirty thief. He's charming and all that, but uh, and he knows all this historical knowledge and he can figure stuff out, but he's not at all about preservation or, uh, you know, keeping stuff safe for the future generations to look at as seen in that first uh, scene. He gets that lamp and smash right <laughs> away. <laughs> Didn't even take a picture of it. Just smash. So you you find that that Drake now has been has been imprisoned. He's been there for I, I believe it's three months at this point, and he gets let out by none other than uh, his best buddy in the previous game, Sully Victor Sullivan, who uh, lets him out under the guise of the fact that Chloe is there too. So I want to ask you guys about. Chloe. Chloe's new to the series at this point, uh, although she and Drake clearly have a past. But what, Bill, what do you think about Chloe? Uh, she was very interesting to me uh, personally right off the bat because I, I recognized her voice or her voice graded right inside of me because I'm a, I'm a big Farscape fan. So I recognize that voice right away as uh, she played a character on Farscape. And uh, there she is on screen as uh, Chloe. She's uh, sassy and sexy and dirty a little bit. 
uh, with the hair wisping in the wisping in her face. Uh, you can tell you probably shouldn't trust her as far as uh, she talks, but uh, it's interesting. You want to see where she's going to take you. So Ryan, yes, I want to ask you about what. What do you think about Chloe? Team Chloe, hashtag Team Chloe. Team Chloe. Yeah, she's she is my favorite character in in the franchise. Spoiler: alert, You will see her somewhere down the road playing these franchises. Uh, so much so that she gets her own game. So, uh, spoiler: She does not die in this game. No, I, I really dislike her character, maybe because she is sassy. That um, she's not as I don't want to say Elena is is what described in when they first meet Elena and Chloe first meet is last year's model, correct? Where she she's the the more I guess good girl of of the two girls, and you know the boring one, if you ask me. I'll I'll, I'll take the Chloe. boring on. one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. so. Come on. I don't know. Chloe, Chloe is more adventurous, and that's why I like her more. But like Bill was saying, she you get this you know portrayal from her because you, you know you just get a tone where when it's back and forth with Drake, he's like, I don't know if I trust her or not, you know, and then I do, and then I don't because she betrayed me, she backstabbed me. But uh, it's a little bit back and forth. But the acting is so good in this game that I guess I like I'll allow it. If, if I could just interject as well, yeah. I, I looked at them as both, um, as I got closer to the end of the game, I started thinking about this. Chloe's got the dark hair and she wears the darker clothes and Elena's got the blonde hair and she's got the light colored clothes. So I almost looked at them as being um, the good angel and the bad angel on each of uh, Drake's shoulders, sort of trying to pull him one way or the other. What, but, uh, what internet reviewer did you pull that from? Pull that out of my ass. Pull that out of her, right? <laughs> okay, okay. And I'm on team Elena because I like them blonde and I like them. Uh, I well, I thought body wise they're both pretty good. They kept, I got a side with Joe on this shoving one. Uh, both of their butts in our faces. So <laughs> Elena's the way to go. I yeah. like last year's model. She's tough. She shot plenty of people. She took a she's grenade. Hot. She's hot and she's got the less raspy voice. So and she hasn't got the hair in the face the yeah. whole time. The uh, the thing I wanted to point out with Chloe is like, you mentioned that she can't be trusted, but like every single opportunity that somebody else walks in the room, she's like, I don't know these people and pulls a gun on you, right? Like, like <laughs> there is no, she's always looking out for herself, quite selfish. She does basically tell you to leave Elena's photographer to die. Uh, and proceeds to then again turn on you because you didn't. Um, yeah, don't go into television, folks. Yes, especially if you're going to Borneo in the process. It's probably not the place to be. Uh, so through this, through this adventure with Drake and Elena and Chloe, uh, they all sort of weave throughout. Uh, but you are sent all over. Uh, some really nice looking destinations. I know that for me in particular, there were a couple of areas that I really dug. Did you guys have certain areas of the story that you particularly liked? Like uh, like the some of the temples or uh, there was that one point when you're going through the the uh, Tibetan village with the with the tank chasing you. Did you guys have a sort of favorite that stuck out more than others, Joe? Um, let's see here. I put down, I definitely 
Well, for me, right off the start of the game was one of my main favorite parts of the game. Uh, but that also go that also ties into sort of like a good movie or a TV show. The game sort of needs to grab you within that first uh, 10, 20 minutes and to really tell you if there's something there that you're going to want to invest all this time into. So uh, that start of that game just put you right on edge. So definitely the train part. <clears throat> and then chapter 12 to catch a train. The, uh, the gunship battle on that train I thought was awesome. Much like uh, the tank through the village, uh, you were traveling from one end of the train to the other, not only fighting the bad guys, but uh, trying to uh, stave off this uh, military gunship, trying to blow you up. And the montage of Drake walking through the snow and then being found uh, by the... What's his name? The Tibetan guy? Tenzin? Tenzin? Tenzin, yep. The, um, I thought that was just a great... It was a very cinematic piece where it just showed him with, you know, they crossfade to a different scene, a different angle of him stumbling through the snow. Then I also put the train crash battle with all the soldiers. So after... After the crash? After the crash and after you get up to the top and you're trying to work your way through the wreckage. Um, I really enjoyed that part. And then another favorite was when I passed Musty in the number of headshot kills that I did in the game. Oh, you got more than I did? Yeah. And I think yeah. I got more than sauce, but I was, like I said, it was like 2.30 in the morning, so I was pretty tired. I don't remember if I saw that or not. Uh, I know one person you didn't get more headshots than. No, I know you like I know you like head. <laughs> Taking uh, shots to the head. Come on. <clears throat> How oh, much do I have to say? Yeah. One other part, uh, chapter nine, when Elena dropped the line honor among thieves. I love it when characters in the movie sort of like make a reference to the title. It's very uh, James Bondish. So oh, I love it when she dropped that line. I popped for it. You loved it. Bill, how about how about you some some favorite moments from the story? Hey, uh, real talk here. Um those scenes where you get in the temples or uh, where there's huge statuary set pieces, man, I would just spend a lot of time just panning the camera around, trying to get the best camera angle to see this entire giant statue. I thought those were really imaginative and they looked really good, especially that one temple where that huge statue is like laying down and you got to drive that thing into him to get him to open his mouth. So you go down the shaft that that whole statue looked really cool to me i liked all that i don't know what you would call it uh graphic art that they put into it uh art style is that it so let me get this straight you like walking around and just looking at things well not, not uh, actually playing and and shooting. Uh, the question was which what did you like seeing in the game and i i'm saying all the statuary was was impressive immersive and uh it was giant and en engulfed you i thought that was cool yeah i can make up stories how i you know played through the train scene and all that or how much fun you had as you probably died a million times in the snow after the train and uh you know act tough but i'm telling you what looked good it was the art style really drew me in art direction thank you ben yeah there, there, there are a few moments yes and i you you called out a couple of them i was going to bring up the one that ended up having all of those there were uh, the pedestals that were 
you had like you went one way, tension went the other way, and then you kind of had to work your way back to the middle. Yeah. And all these like rising pedestals, it's just like this is insane. I do not know any individual who'd be like like Nathan Drake's level of confidence for his ability to catch a corner <laughs> is insane. Like his hands must be massive. Like don't <laughs> shake his hand. Right. Rip it right off. Well, and his shoulder strength to do jumps, you know, the, the, the jumps you have to do from just your hands, basically, to another side, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. The, the, yeah, that's that dude, but man. Those scenes to me also had like the reverse effect, too, because they were so outlandish. It's like, how did a primitive people build this crazy temple to have all these traps and these you know, things to happen to make this open and the light shines here and on this key goes in there. How could they actually build something so massive? Because I, I do like a little bit of realism happening. And as you got to these giant set pieces, it's like, how do, who, who the hell would have built that? How would they have come up with that? How would they have pitched that to their boss? Okay, this is the temple we're going to build. I, it's going to work this way. This is going to do this. You're going to put the light here and it's going to, okay, yeah, go ahead and build that. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But, you know, what can you do? It's a video game. I think it's based off of like research from history books of other temples. So oh, yeah. yeah. That's probably what they got it from. Absolutely. Yeah. But still, like, I don't, I don't know that anything exists that we like. I don't know if there is anything in this world, real world, that exists in the same kind of scale that some of these things exist. And I, I mean, I think that's what makes it grounded but still fantastic um in that in that sort of sense some of the stuff just like the like city in the clouds kind of thing that you had going on on say two-thirds of the way through the game where you're trying to work your way into uh this serbian mercenary camps that are built into these these crumbling uh stone structures uh like just even the thought that that is like perched on you know on the side of a mountain and you're again, jumping uh, with no regard for your own safety is just, it's, it's, I'm going to say it, it's breathtaking before anybody else does. I'm claiming that one. The, but Musty, uh, did, did any of uh, Drake's like super physical ability ever draw you out of the game in terms of, you know, that leap being, obviously unable for 99% of everybody out there, but he seems to have no problem, you know, jumping for this rope that seems completely out of reach or, or hand walking himself across a ledge that's covered in ice or it's got flowing water on it. I, I can see how it could for some, it didn't, it didn't draw me out. And I think maybe it's because this was still a little more uh, realistic than other games that, that, do like if, if you look at other games that came out around the same time, like Mass Effect 2, right? Uh, came out the same year, and the stuff that happens in that is so on a different spectrum. Like, it, it's it's hard to stay grounded in that, but it, at the same time, it, it's easier to forgive the stuff that happens in that game because of the fact that it is clearly set in a sci fi world, uh, that is nothing like anything that we have now whereas this game um i don't know like it i i believe that there's somebody out there that can do the things that he's doing uh and i'm willing to let that suspension of disbelief occur 
in this situation for me. I wish I had like an ounce of that like bravado and like willingness to to do that type of dangerous stuff, but like I don't rock climb. Like are you crazy? Like like some of the stuff that he does traversal wise is is amazing. Uh and it's something that you see in, you know, the big action movies these days and 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 it's really impressive but it you still have this you still have these moments where like they've shown you this whole time that climbing up this you know rock walls that look like this or climbing up bricks that look like this is going to be okay and then all of a sudden they they throw a hook and they and they let the they let a brick crumble here or they let uh you know the thing that you're on all of a sudden is 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 unstable and you have to react quickly otherwise you are going to die along with it. And it's when you're able to then still catch yourself in those moments and keep those, those segments of the game flowing that I just, it's cool that they can switch that up. And so it doesn't get the same action that you're doing at the beginning. When you're climbing up that train, you get, even when you have to do that same train again, it just feels there's something different about how it, how it, how it feels in that moment. And maybe it's because you've gotten a little more background as to why you're hanging from this train now. But yeah, I think, I think that's where, that's where I'm at on that. Ryan, do you, do you have any, uh, any qualms with, uh, with Nathan Drake's near superhuman abilities here? No. And it's because I think the gameplay is so much fun that I just let it slide. You know, I, like when I think about that stuff, I think about the level where you're like, roof hopping and there's a helicopter shooting at you. I, I remember that was like mm-hmm. playing that back in 2011 was like, Holy, you know, this granted, you know, like I still had fun playing it on this playthrough as well, but like th- those are things that stick with me when I think about this game, I'm like, that was awesome. And traversing this was awesome. Like, you know, you laugh and you think about it now that anyone can make a, a jump sometimes like Nathan does, but when I'm having a good time, it really doesn't bother me. So you can even see the stuff that they pulled out of this game that they then used toward the newer iterations of Tomb oh, yeah. Raider, right? Like, yeah. like the the jumping off of a cliff with two pit hand, you know, axes, and like just catching the ice perfectly. Like, we have to let these things happen, right? Like, if if it wasn't, and you know, our protagonist was just you know splatting against a wall, then that's not a fun game anymore. And so you, you you have to you have to let that happen a little bit, but I feel like the balance was relatively good. When it comes to the game, though, it's not just about climbing around and things like that. There is uh, a fair amount of gunplay in this game, and in uh, some good cover-based aspects to it. How did you guys, Bill? I'm going to start with you here. How did you feel like the difficulty was uh, balanced between? all of the exploration stuff. And then when you get into these sort of shooting segments, how, how did you feel about that? Uh, I thought the action was, was well done and very inviting. It seemed like it just was natural. The aiming was very precise and, uh, or maybe if you want to say easy, I don't know. It just, it was, it just worked very well and cover worked very well. And when he got into you know, a situation he automatically kind of went into stealth mode. You didn't have to make him crawl or anything like that. He automatically went into stealth mode and then you could just jump behind cover. You could look over the cover or you could, you know, climb around it, wait for a guy, take him out stealthily or go guns a blazing, whatever you wanted to do. But it just, 
it it wasn't janky at all to me. Maybe the odd time you'd try and jump into cover and the game didn't know you're trying to jump into cover and he's just doing a dance behind a pillar. That kind of stuff was yeah. awkward. But that did not happen as often as you might think. It was more very fluid, very easy to to uh, get into cover and all kinds of like shooting styles you could do. You could just shoot blindly. You could run and gun. You could precision shoot. I thought, yeah, it was great. It was great. Action. Blind, blind fire. I think it was a good, smart move here. And I, I have to wonder how much of that they pulled from like gears of war or, um, all of the first game and gears came out within a year of each other. So I, I don't know that they directly are affected by it, but both of them use a lot of similar cover, uh, mechanics. The, um, blind fire, though, was great. Uh, did you have a favorite weapon, Bill, or a favorite combination of weapons? Hmm. Um, I'd probably just use the AK more than anything because it's the easiest to pick up. Although the bigger machine gun after that, what was it called? Um, Is it the the M4. Is yeah, that the one? yeah, that was that was pretty nice too. Uh, you know, you have to use the crossbow at some point, but it's very limited. Some of those big pistols that were super powerful but had very little ammunition, I was very hesitant to pick up because I like having ammo. I like having ammo in my pocket. I don't like having no ammo. So I was more to grab the big long guns with lots of ammo lying around, like the AK-47. Now, Joe, you said you said you were more of a precision guy with, with uh, headshots and whatnot. <clears throat> um, did you have... Thoughts on the gunplay itself, or did you have a favorite gun or uh, weapon combination? I sort of treated this like I do most of my other games where I like to stick to one or two, three weapons at the most and just sort of uh, get the most experience out of those. So I always did the uh, the standard handgun that you came with, as well as, like Bill said, either whatever was lying around the AK 47 or the, uh, the M four, just because on of availability, I didn't bother with a shotgun. I hate, I hate those kind of weapons. There was the, the gun called the pistol pistol. Oh yeah. 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 Pistol. Pistol. Uh, those like the shotgun and the pistol I used out of, if I just was in a big battle and completely ran out of ammo, I would just pick that up. But mainly I, I, I like snipering the few times that the sniper rifle was available. I took advantage of it. Uh, I wish there had been more opportunities to have more ammo for it in terms of me being able to keep it and hold on to it. But uh, really I just, uh, I would stick with the handgun for the main part. And I, I probably played about at least 70% of the game with it. Whereby I would just do strictly focusing on doing headshots um, also in terms of conserving ammo, but, um, I also wanted to mention in terms of the, the gameplay uh, mechanics, one thing Naughty Dog did really well with this game. And I can't remember how they did it with the first one. It's, it's, it's been too long, but throughout the game, even at the very start, there was also sort of no tutorial in terms of gameplay or how you moved your man or do your jumping or do your shooting. It was, they did such a great job in terms of, um, sort of incorporating the tutorial into the gameplay in such a way that it's easy for anyone just to pick up and figure out how to, you know, shoot or 
how to jump from ledge to ledge or to do any sort of the acrobatic abilities. So I thought that was kudos to uh, Naughty Dog for doing that. But yeah, um, it's, it's it's nice when when you get that game. The, the, there's some like retro titles that really get uh, a lot of credit for doing exactly that. Super Metroid, uh, Mega Man games. Uh, you know they they really kind of push that type of learning, uh, especially early on. The thing that I, the thing I found was that there were moments when if you weren't figuring it out, it does almost tell you what to do, like outright. I had it happened a few times. And one time it's like, I know what I have to do. I know that's the answer. Like, stop telling me that that's what I have to do. I just can't do it. Well, there's one part I found frustrating and that was, where was it? Is in the swamp or something? I think it was the part where you had to set the, you had to turn on the detonators that were set there by someone else. There's like mm -hmm. four different detonators. You had to turn them on, explode all the shit. And then, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Sully mm -hmm. was up on a ledge and he was beside this tower that had a guard in it. And you were supposed to throw a grenade into the tower to destroy it. But I ended up doing a headshot on the guard. And then he kept telling me to get up to where he was and I couldn't find any way to do it. There's no, I was kept looking for ledge hole, uh, handholds on ledges or ropes to climb up or vines. And in the end you had to actually toss a grenade in there, explode the tower up so that you could walk up one of its beams after it collapses. So that happened a couple times throughout the game. Those were a couple frustrating parts, but, um, aside from that, you know, they were pretty straightforward in terms of what you could do or what not to do. The naughty dog ledge always gets me where you're walking along and you know, you got to jump down a giant ledge to get to the next area. And you know that the shit's going to hit the fan. Once you drop, drop down the ledge, <laughs> it's like, Oh, here's the naughty dog ledge. As soon as I go down, you know, going back, it's going to be hell. Uh, that happens quite a bit. That always drives me crazy. One thing I found is that is that the ledges here weren't quite as like in other games that follow the similar mechanic of the traversal puzzles. Sometimes those handholds are so clearly marked, and this I felt like they didn't they did a pretty good job of not making it too telegraphed. They also really don't let you see, and this was actually a comment from from our forums. Uh, top spot mentioned the fact that in a lot of these climbing puzzles or climbing areas, right, you kind of had to get in before you could really see what was going to end up happening. Uh, so it's really just a linear kind of path of you, you know, I'm going to jump from this one to this one, this one, to this one, then I'm going to jump backwards across to this. Like it was, there wasn't a whole lot of discovery there. Um, and so that was one of his comments was that, uh, you're just simply funneled into a specific path to get forward. And that's that. And I think Joe, your, your example of the, of the, um, that watchtower that you have to blow up with a grenade is, is a perfect example of that. Like they didn't have a backup plan for you if you didn't take out that tower. But I bet if you, you know, now in, in that moment, Sully's like yelling at you to do something, right? Like that's, that's the, like, that's the narrator in that moment going like, Hey, you know, here's nudge, nudge. Here's, here's the hint on what you need to be doing. Like he's commenting, right? He was just saying something like, Hey, 
get up here or let's get going kind of thing. Right. And then okay. he would just stand there beside the, the tower that I didn't blow up yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, I, I think it's some of those moments is, is it's like the, you should probably pick up this weapon. Like, like, like so sometimes I mentioned, it's just, it's, if you are stalling or you just are actively missing it, eventually it just starts to like big letters, just like you should do this. And, uh, some of that pulls me out a little bit because, like I said, we're trying. We're trying. We're going to get there. We're going to get there just fine. Now, Ryan, there's there's one aspect of gameplay that we haven't talked about yet that you specifically wanted to talk about, and it gives some reference to Naughty Dog's prior work. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So one thing I was relearned, I guess, while playing this game because... I want to say maybe it happens in the third game as well. And maybe the fourth one, it, it's, it's been a while since I played it, but the, uh, the crash levels, you know, the crash bandicoot, you run towards the screen while something's chasing you from behind. And I, I thought it was a great homage. Cause you know, it's naughty dog. I don't want to, I don't know if it is the first game, but it's the game that I know them for being famous for was crash. Right. And um, their first mascot. And it seems like, it was like them kind of making an homage to one of their older games saying like, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it fits in perfectly well with the um, high action style kind of game. If this can be kind of compared to like an action movie with the, the camera angle facing, you know, our hero running towards the camera. I think it works really well with this game a lot. Yeah. And it does look like just based off of like Naughty Dog's origin. Yeah, I think Crash was their like biggest one that kind of elevated them up. Aside from like some much much smaller, they're they're almost an indie studio before that. But Crash, yeah, Crash put them on the on the map with uh, PlayStation, and then obviously Naughty Dog is mm-hmm. a staple, a staple for PlayStation, uh, the platform itself going forward. But yeah, I thought I thought those were fun moments. Um, there's one because I mean. It takes a a mechanic out of a game that's very child friendly, right? And now all of a sudden you're running away from like a truck that has guys shooting at you and you're trying to shoot the tires of the truck at the same time and and it just kind of it feels comfortable. It feels comfortable to do that, except when the truck that you blow up then lands on top of you over and over and over again. Which was my experience. I really like the driving scene, though. Uh, there's one where you're trying to, you are trying to catch up to the train because you need to then jump onto the train. But you're you're leaving the village, and uh, Elena's driving driving a uh, a truck with a with a turret on the back, and uh, you just like it's it feels like some of the great gallery shooters that I that have like been reminiscent of like 16-bit past and and have just kind of put you in those moments and I really really enjoyed those um, I like jumping from one to one uh, truck to another and then using that for cover to get a different angle on a guy like that that one felt that one felt like a lot of fun and it kind of flowed right into that train sequence which felt like it went on forever did you guys enjoy that bill I think you were saying that you you ran into some moments where where like the train turned just at the wrong moment. Like you hit a turn on the track. Was that was that you who made that was making those comments? No, I don't think so. But I, I can see what they're talking about for sure. But uh, yeah, what you're saying with the jumping on the other trucks to get 
better angle. Man, it's so creative. You know, you're yeah. not expecting your thing. Oh, here's the thing like Halo where you jump on the turret and shoot the guys as the other guy's driving. And then they come up with this other thing where you start yeah. jumping on it. It was great. It's so cinematic and exciting. I like that. And then the train, yeah, you jump on that. And yeah, uh, I think that that was the case, right? It takes curves and you can aim your shot with the curve. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, you can try, but like, yeah, if if you commit just at the moment when the train really starts going, you're like, woo, like right <laughs> into the forest. And yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, that train sequence though went on for a long time, like a very long time. If I, I God, Joe. Sorry, Musty. I was going to yeah. say I like that part when um, on the train. And is it when you're going through the tunnel? Um, you can see guys coming towards you but then the bad guys don't see these uh, signs that are coming up, hanging from yeah. the, uh, the the ceiling of the tunnel there, coming towards them, and then they just get smoked. It was just like, and then Drake does a little corporate one-liner, right? Yeah. But uh, Oh, that's, right. I mean, it that did... stuff is straight out of indie, right? Yeah, like... absolutely. Well, the, <laughs> you could, the whole game could be taken out of indie, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, a lot of inspiration um, for that. In fact, there's some things that, uh, toward the end of the game, get a little uh, cliche. I think there's a moment uh, with Elena that happens, and I remember very vividly out of my mouth as as we realize that she has been injured in this uh, grenade explosion from good old Harry Flynn, and immediately in that moment, we've learned that the Chintamani stone, right? Am I saying that right now? That that stone is actually uh, a resin of the tree of life, and I'm and I'm like, well, just just feed feed her that. Like it's it was very much Last Crusade story beats, right? Sean Connery gets shot, so we have to go in and find the the Grail so that we can keep him alive. And it was like, wow, this is playing out almost exactly as I would imagine it to if we were playing the game based on last crusade, but uh, it doesn't entirely go that way. Uh, but it's just, did you guys find any, any other like moments or elements that was like, wow, this is a little tropey, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not, uh, I'm will I'm willing to let it slide because they're just, they're still doing it so well. Did you guys find anything like that? Or did I grab the only good example? I think I, you know, I, there's like one puzzle where you have to move boulders and put them on platforms to make a weight and to make something happen. Uh, that that seemed tired to me. That I thought they'd come up with a better idea for that temple. Other than that, I can't really think of any other things that drove me crazy too well, how, much. Otherwise. How about this? Did they have too many puzzles in the game in general? It just, for me, it seemed like. <clears throat> And I forget how many hours uh, I took to play it through this second time, but even a second playthrough, it sort of seemed like, oh, all right, we got to go through this. All right, we just did this action. Okay, here's another puzzle again that's sort of similar to the one I just did previously, only slightly different. This time I'm shooting lights, or this time I'm just moving, uh, like Bill said, uh, moving uh a triangle or a square or a circle and placing it onto this weighted platform to have this device trigger. I remember in my first playthrough when I did this game, it just seemed like it kept going on and on. I didn't, it's not that I didn't enjoy it because the game overall is that good, but 
maybe I, I wouldn't have been upset if they had cut out maybe one or two puzzle sequences. Yeah, yeah there was there. They uh, the thing is, they gave you the answers in the notebook, but they don't really. They very early on told you to check the notebook for something, and then you really didn't go back to it until very late in the game. Like it, it maybe at, I think at the moment you're talking about Bill, where you had to. There were four pressure plates. You had mm -hmm. to find the right thing. It was weird because you would put a thing down and if the thing didn't move, you knew that wasn't where it was supposed to go. So it was ultimately just a, I tried it here. Yeah. I tried it at the next one. Okay. Okay. The third one went down. Okay. So put it there. We'll get the next one. Like you don't have to reason that puzzle out. You can just trial and error it. Like there, there is no uh, fail condition for not getting the puzzle. Correct. Like it doesn't make, make the rest of it more difficult. Like, uh, there was the one where you had to, well, there's some of the encounters with like the, the like guardians, the, the Yeti type people where it was just a, like, which isn't a puzzle, but there's one puzzle that immediately leads to this battle and all you have to do is survive. And it just like, that puzzle was just a sheer rotate these things until you get the right ones. Like to some of the. I was trying to think of other games around that time, and Ryan and I were talking about this, uh, and like God of War, uh, which by this point that this game had come out, God of War was right around the time that the, their third game had come out, and a lot of their puzzles are like, turn this thing twice and then push it into place, and Ryan, you had another example that, that we brought up, and I can't remember what it is. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit more of the um, classic Resident Evil puzzles. Like, I got a lot of those vibes where it's just like, push this to that, or, you know, to get this into unlock said path. I, I got that vibe a little bit from it, too. Yeah, I, th I think that's good, because, right, you, you've got, like, medals and things like that. Joe, you had a comment? You I was going to say, you're absolutely right, Musty. There should have been a, a penalty of failure option in terms of, instead of just doing every single thing in a certain order for one of these mm -hmm. puzzles, you put down something in the wrong spot, boom, you get instant death or some kind of penalty. You got to fight right? a horde of, a horde of uh, creatures or, or enemies or something. I don't know yeah. if the, those puzzles added anything to the game. Like, did they add value to the game? If, you know, a couple of those puzzles or could we have just skipped them? They were just speed bumps really. The, the one with the mirrors in that, large temple i liked but the light shooting the light yeah yeah but really fun. those were just kind of a those were kind of a i climbed to this spot i pushed this button now this thing is a, like it, it i don't know that that's truly a puzzle right like that one is is because i'm getting to a certain spot suddenly i'm able to then now this thing falls into place and now the light can be shine uh, shown upon this spot, right? And now this opens up, right? It's, um, we did have one example. So th thank you, Top Spot, for the example. There was the room with you and Chloe get in there and the uh, the spiked ceiling starts coming down. And you had to quickly think of how to stop that. But you didn't have a ton of options, right? Like, uh, that one, unfortunately, I think somebody, somebody in the in I was as I was streaming it, somebody was like, "Shoot the shoot the teeth." I was like, "Oh yeah, duh." It's like, 
Like part of me is like throwing a grenade in there, and it's like, no, just 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 shoot him, and it'll go, it'll resolve itself. I just want to say though, so I think some of the puzzles in in the, the defense, and not saying all of them, because I, I completely see Bill's point of them being just like parts to slow you down for a little bit here. Um, but I think also part of it is to show you that you know Nathan, I guess, is a thief and somewhat you know having to use his ability to traverse around is i guess just maybe enhance drake more as a thief is the only thing i can really put it to that he's this great thief and here's here's why you know yeah he's able to solve puzzles that the other team can't that's why they need drake of course he just opens the door for everybody to follow him so i don't know how smart he really is (laughs) yeah he's he's like here i'm gonna you have to pick you pick which one of these these ladies we're gonna shoot and he's like, don't shoot either of them. I'll do whatever you want. Like, and, and let's be honest, I think most of us probably would would answer something similar. But uh, it's just, yeah. What do you guys? Well, you a guess? bunch of times he has an army right on his ass. And he's just running away, you know. Or, and then, it, oh, there's the thing I got to solve. Okay, I'm going to solve that. And then I'm not going to hide the fact that I opened this door for the people following me. <laughs> it's just like. Close the door at least. Throw some leaves over it. Nope. <laughs> oh, what do you know? They followed us in here. Now there's another big fight. That stuff drives me crazy. Yeah. So you end up bringing like throughout throughout this whole thing, you end up bringing this mercenary uh, into Shangri La or Shambhala, which are two names for the same thing that are equally confusing to. Uh, to speak. Uh, what I wanted to talk about quickly was what you guys thought about how the end played out, right? So you've, you've, Elena's been injured, Chloe is uh, with her, uh, and then you have been, you've gone in toward the, the core of the Tree of Life to find this uh, Lazarevich uh, consuming the resin uh, of the Tree of Life, which is supposed to make him invincible. And then you basically have to fight against him one on one. Joe, I want to ask you first, like what did what did you think about that fight? Was that was did you find it fulfilling? Was there something more that you feel they could have done in that encounter? Well, I like the overall aspect of it. Um can we say how we fought him off, or do we not? Yeah, do sure, why not? Or? Yep. I mean I I'd say it's fair game at this point, and I think a lot of the people who are here live have already uh, have already experienced it. And those who haven't, uh, skip ahead a couple minutes uh, if you don't want to know some pro strats for uh, fighting this guy. Well, I thought it, I thought they did a good job in terms of making it um, how they tied in uh, you shooting the uh, congealed sap. Uh, throughout uh, throughout that circular terrain and then as you did it and he was close enough and it exploded it damaged him as well as damaging the tree of life so that they're all intertwined together i remember the first time i played it i was focusing on shooting him at first without it really being effective my one complaint would be is i wish they had done it so that there might have been another option because all i did was and I'm assuming everyone else did this is I would just run around the outer track 
uh, turning occasionally to make sure to see that he was still sort of following me and then time it so that when he got to a certain point in front of that sap, shoot it. And then I would just take off running again. So it's sort of just like a big hamster wheel chase with him chasing me around. Um, so my complaint with that was I wish there could have been some sort of other option or I guess you could have cut across the middle, but I just found going in that one continual motion in a circle with him chasing you and you picking him off at the opportune point, the best way to, to, to fight him off. But I liked as, as you were doing it and you got closer to the end and you saw the damage occur to him at the same time, the whole tree area was starting to really shake and rumble and it made your, your traversing through it that much more difficult, but. I don't know. Well, and he and he starts to throw grenades too. Like all yeah. of a sudden, he's he's got like here's here's five grenades. Dodge but, those. But even that, if you just kept on going in the same direction, very few times you would you would take a hit from one of them, right? If you stood still, That's obviously true. you would. But I don't know. Graphic wise, I really enjoyed that part though. Like I love that whole tree of life being sort of like a living entity. Uh, I don't know what else they could have done to it. Bill, what did you think of the uh, end? I think, um, like like Joe said, the, you know, in the hamster wheel, I think I was looking for something a little bit more creative because we saw so many creative set pieces that I didn't see coming as you played through this game. Like, you know, you were in that office building that got shot by the helicopter and the floor starts to fall and you jump through a bay window. And then this guy, all I'm doing is I'm running over that, fallen tree, turn around, sap, shoot, go around again. And I make my way up that fallen tree again, turn around, shoot, bah, do it again. And you do that over and over and over again. Now, sure, I died a couple times because, you know, mm -hmm. you just lose the rhythm or whatever. But for this game, I, you know, I, I don't know what they could have done. I just think there could have been something more creative for the last guy. I, I didn't want a big thing like a lot of games where you fight the big boss and then, uh, along with the big boss comes waves of smaller enemies you have to deal with. I didn't, I, w I wasn't looking forward to that. I don't know what, I, I just something more creative, like, mm -hmm. you know, you're swinging on a vine and having to shoot him at the same time as he's pulling on your leg or something, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, there's I do, no, this, uh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, Musty. I just want to say, I do remember when I first played it, I, I thought there was going to be like almost like a resident evil sort of transition in his character because he took this, and then after you did, you know, a certain amount of damage on him, he would suddenly, I was expecting him to morph or change like, like into, he'd, those, yeah, he'd have another phase. into those blue guys or something like that. Like not just sort of heal and, and become normal looking. I, I thought originally there was going to be some secondary transformation to his character or appearance, but yeah. Well, from, from the first game, I mean, the first game introduces a, a mutation based enemy type toward the end and and they do the same thing here but there were some fights now that's i'm not going to say that the fight with with him at the end was easy because i don't i don't feel like it was easy but there was there were fights earlier in that uh once you've made it into shambhala that that are quite difficult if you are not equipped properly uh oh, there's yeah. one fight where you you have to fight against like it's something that four or five of those guardian guys. And if you don't get their crossbow, which is a one hit kill on them, like you have a real chance of running out of ammo entirely against those guys. Yeah. And their grenade dudes come out too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's ramp it up. Yep. Yeah, they got they got their own guys shooting crossbows. They got the one guy chasing you, just like smash, smash, you know, trying to crush you. And yeah, it's uh that was that was difficult because of the fact that you have all these other things happening simultaneously. Whereas with him, it's like, yeah, as long as you can keep your distance, as long as you know where the right uh, spots are to get your damage in, just keep moving, right? Just keep moving. And and then, you know, hope, hope that if he grabs you, that he throws you somewhere that uh, doesn't kill you. And that, uh, and that allows you to, to collect yourself and then have your health regenerate in time before yeah. anything he else happens talking too through the whole thing. So you know where he's at, you can keep him in check just by listening to him. Mm-hmm. Now, once you defeat him though, in like action game trope, number 27 escape, everything has gone horrible time to run. Ryan, what did you think about the, the, uh, escape from Shambhala in this and did it uh did it hit the right notes for you or what 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 are your opinions on this uh, for for this case I actually do enjoy it because I think it fits kind of the um scenario with what the game's kind of set right with all these crumbling environments and and stuff I enjoy it way a lot more than I enjoy I guess the the final boss fight or I th- I think it's kind of a proper end game's coming to an end it's time to escape now it's it's like you said a classic trope it happens in uh resident evil 2 escape the city right the, at the end when you know the world's falling the world's coming apart here on you so i i know it's a trope but I, I think it fits the scenario very well for this game so with that we, you get your jumping in there you know the occasional part right at the end where i think you have to shoot the guy that's holding on to chloe there you know it's a little bit more the cinematic, you know, is, is great. If it's if it's the game for for what it is, I I would agree with you. I feel like one of the things that it does out of convenience by blowing up the this area is that suddenly the thing that you were going for this whole time can't come up again in later games, right? They they clearly had plans to do Uncharted three already at this point when they were making uncharted 2 so to me it's like if this tree of life still existed afterwards would you not be still trying to get to it whereas if you blow it up then suddenly that can't be your uh macguffin to go into doing the next phase of nathan drake's journey right like maybe maybe that's part of it i don't but uh I will admit that there were like twice that I died during that escape. And I was like, if I have to fight that boss again, I'm going to be super upset. And thankfully I didn't uh, checkpoints but, plenty in this game. Yeah. I, and you know, that's, that's healthy uh, for, for a game like this, uh, especially one that has a fair number of cutscenes. Like I wouldn't want to, and those are skippable by the way. That's also a nice thing. Um, so if you do have to replay something, you can you can quickly move along and get past it. Bill, earlier in, you brought up the fact that this game uh, feels like playing a movie, but I want to... I, I feel like I hear that term used in a negative connotation, whereas you, pra- you praised it as a, as a positive. Uh, do you feel like we need to see more games that do this type of thing? Uh, or what are, what are your thoughts on this sort of 
cinematic action game genre as a whole. I just think it was an uh, it was a nice balance of cinematics with action. It's not like you were sitting through a ten minute cinematic or anything. And as well as it was, it was just creatively merged into gameplay where you'd just be walking along and suddenly the camera would change on its own to give you either this great wide shot or the camera would come swooping in close behind you. Like when you tried to squeeze into cracks, the camera would come in behind you and give you a nice new angle. It, it just, it, it seemed like every chance it uh, tried to break out of the video game model and give you a more cinematic experience just by moving the camera around and of course the the score really played a big part of that too then the you know the music uh, was always there carrying the moment the momentum so i think it was just perfect balance of the two i would agree i would agree uh, it's great that you brought up the music because i wanted to mention the fact that this score in particular uh, was nominated for and won a number of awards uh, including uh, it won the uh, Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences won Outstanding Achievement in Original Music uh, it won a BAFTA uh, for Best Original Score and Best Use of Audio uh, The and then the Game Audio Network Guild, I have no idea what, what this is but called it Music of the Year in 2009, uh, and then Best Original Instrumental Song for one called, uh, there's a track called Reunion uh, that was uh, highly touted as well. Uh, but the composer of this game also did, uh, has done episodes of King of the Hill and did Firefly. And I'm not sure if I can pick on specific aspects of it that, that like relate, but like, I love the Firefly soundtrack and well, Serenity in particular. I feel like it's probably a lot of the same, but, uh, but yeah, he hasn't really done a whole lot since then though. So I, I think he did uncharted three and then did not continue on beyond that. So, but yeah, music wise though, Bill, you're, to you're totally right. There's, there's a lot to the, to the uh, overall soundtrack, but like, there's not a lot of like moment to moment, like I remember this specific part of this specific thing because of the music that was playing along with it. To me, it was kind of like how in uh, in a uh, I'm going to relate Indiana Jones again, right? There's like three songs that you know from an Indiana Jones soundtrack, and the rest of it is just like great ambient music that plays while you're adventuring. I feel like that's kind of what what they're. I mean, that's almost exactly what they were aiming for here, but I feel like that that's what they got out of it. Do any of you agree or disagree, or do you have thoughts about the soundtrack? I don't want to be the only one who no, talks I, about I, that. Oh, it's called with, with me. The only thing I could think of why I, I can't remember too many tracks from this game is that there's like so much stuff going on during the game that I'm not probably focusing in on this. You know, I'm, I'm focusing in more on the acting performance mm -hmm. um, of the characters or solving a puzzle or you know in combat where i'm not really focusing what's going on so it's it's stuff that it just kind of fades away because i'm my attention is diverted somewhere else well there is not like a slow part so much so where the, the music is catching and kicking in my head and you know the, the parts that are the slow parts there the music generally calmed down and the only thing i can really compare that to and where this happens is probably pulse puzzle solving 
where it's generally quiet because I think they want you to probably concentrate and focus more. Um, but when the music's generally playing, it's usually when there's acting going on or heavy action. So to me, that's the only reason why I can really only truly remember the opening theme. Not not to say that the, um, the soundtrack is bad. It's just hard for me to remember what other tunes were in this game. Well, the music, it shouldn't be the main star of the, the thing. So the music just, it plays its part the way it's supposed to. It's to help, you know, move the flow of the game and the move of, move the flow of the story and uh, come in when it needs to and back off when it's supposed to, but not take center stage. Yeah. I couldn't tell you any distinct music either. It's for me, it's like Musty, you point, you posted that link for the song reunion. Mm-hmm. I think it was, that was called. And I couldn't, by the name alone, I couldn't tell you what it was, but uh, after hearing about it, yeah, I do remember it. Um, for me, it was all good, but it is in the sense that it never drew me out of the gameplay. Every distinct piece of music sort of fit uh, the section of the game that it was composed for. So for me, when that happens, that sort of makes the game and, and the music that much better. Like it's not... Uh, like I said, it doesn't draw you out. It all sort of comes together as one, as opposed to being two separate mm-hmm. entities, gameplay yeah. and music. I, I see that. There's sometimes when, like, like when there's a big, uh, let's just throw a, a big blockbuster movie out there. But I'm not going to talk about Endgame, but I'm going to mention Endgame just because this is, this is something that I did, right? I saw the movie. They made a point of listening to the soundtrack. And then I went back and saw the movie again. And having heard the soundtrack independently of it makes the music stand out so much more. Uh, and I think maybe doing that, doing having that kind of approach with this game or with games in general might, might help enhance that uh, feature, but you're right. Everything. When you look at the whole package, music visuals, the voice acting, which is like some of the, like to me, some of the best voice acting that I like, They've got they got the right people, and they got they got characters who are written well and believable, and uh, yeah, I like they really nailed it. Like they're deserving of their like it's like a ninety six percent Metacritic rating on this game. Like that is uh, upper upper echelon when it comes to the way that that games get made nowadays. Like like you just don't hit that unless you've really got the right people doing the right things. And I feel, I feel like they, they really put that together. I wanted to ask how much exploration did you guys do? Or did did you find that you've like, like how many collectibles did you guys end up getting? Or do you even have a rough idea on like, I I'd like to tell you I had an idea, but I don't, it was one of those things where Anytime I come upon a new area and there wasn't someone I had to sneak behind to take out or I, I or if I got done taking out a whole area, I was always generally scouting an area to find a collectible, even though they really um, in this game, I find don't really have any you know other bonus besides giving you a trophy. I could be wrong, but it's something I always look for, though, and I know I didn't get all of them because I saw like all the empty question marks. So there's clearly a lot I missed, but just, yeah, I don't think I got, so I was just looking through trophies and I did not get 
the 20 treasures trophy. So uh, there are a total of 101 treasures across it uh, and 12 trophies that you get from collecting those treasures. But I just didn't, I didn't find, I know that a game's trying to reward exploration, but I, did, I don't know that it necessarily needed a ton of it. Like, it's interesting because you can like take the object and like rotate it and like look at things, but like uh, to give a direct comparison to like the first Tomb Raider, they use those artifacts to help drive the story. Whereas these things are like, you found a cup. You found a, you know, you found a, here's a, here's a ancient spork. Like now, now you take this for yourself. Like, did you guys, Joe, Bill, did you, did you guys make a point of, of like, if you saw the glimmer, did you go get it every single time or? Yeah, I, I kind of can't help myself, but look around in these type of games. And I, I remember the first time playing through, I just wanted to get through the game. You know, I didn't want to spend 50 hours on this thing. I just wanted to keep moving forward, but I can't help myself. When I got a big open area, I can't help but walk around the perimeter and look up in the, every corner in the sky and all that. Doesn't mean I found them all for sure. I, I can't tell you how many I found, but uh, these type of games, I just can't help myself. But look, and if there was definitely something shiny, I'd go and get it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, if I saw Joey. something shiny and it was within my general area i'd go pick it up but uh for the most part i i can't be bothered to waste my time hunting down for these items unless you said musty it was uh specific or or needed to help progress the story in some sort of sense but in terms yeah, of I don't, I don't think any of them were in yeah, this these case. items are they're put there for completionists and I, I i i just don't care i got better things to do I did find, though, in this playthrough, I did find five or six new items that I didn't have previously. So, but uh, nowhere near the 101 that you need to get. Yeah, that's, I mean, it seems like it, this was still the like the couple years in, like three years into the whole trophies and achievements concept. In fact, the tr trophies came later, right? Like uh, PS3 didn't launch with trophies, right? They did not. Okay. So this is still like early on where they're like, okay, well, that's why there's 12 individual trophies for this. It's like, you found one item, you found 10, you found 20, so on and so forth. Um, and it's just like, that's, it just, it's filler. I get, I get what they're trying to do is they're trying to pull you into areas that somebody, some designer, some artist spent a ton of time trying to make this thing, you know, like Bill, you were talking about set pieces, right? They want you to see those things, and this is the way that they can kind of coax people into seeing those things is by putting putting an object on this cliff, and from this cliff you can see something magnificent that somebody spent weeks uh, of time to perfect. But the question is, if you didn't put the treasure there, is that viewpoint like even necessary, right? Could they just put a rock wall there and not have to worry about it? I have to wonder how much of an impact or like what the scale would feel like if you change that up a little bit. It's all adding flavor. It's all it is. Flavor. It is. It helps Ab build, it helps build out the world. I mean, may maybe those things, if I took the time to actually read the descriptions, maybe they, they ground it even more. Right. Just the fact that like the whole time you're going after something, this like legendary treasure. I mean, the first game was like that too. Right. Cause, cause, 
Nathan Drake is a descendant of Sir Francis Drake, right? Like, so he's, he's already like steeped in like treasure, that whole treasure mythology and like El Dorado, like all, all of those kind of things. That was the first game, but the, you know, in, in this one, you know, you've got Marco Polo. One of the funniest moments in this game, you come upon a swimming pool and, (laughs) and you jump into the swimming pool and immediately, uh, I, I think Elena's with you at that moment. And does Correct. she say Marco, or do or do you Drake, say Marco? Drake says, Drake says Marco. I think it only happens if you jump in the pool. Like if I you did, jump, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm so glad I did that. Triggered. It's a little bit of conversation back and forth. It is, yeah, like little moments like that. You guys talked about you know the quips and things like that, but like everything is kind of relaxed for a minute you know you're you're no longer being chased by a by a chopper and so you get this little moment of like you know levity where you uh you know you get people play marco polo which is mm. i thought that was great that that's was a nice. trophy too i think it might have been yeah i hope Spe- achievement wise though how great was it i guess this is a ps4 thing the remaster when uh like joe said earlier you get those stat updates on your friends for like your headshots or the amount of enemies killed, you get a little, little scoreboard update in the corner, how much better you're doing or how you tied a friend or something like that. I thought those were great. Yeah. yeah. It definitely gave me something to like, look forward to like, Oh, I just topped Q dog or, you know, yeah. oh, here's, here's musty. Just, uh, just got past him or something like that. Something to look forward to. Then you're like, all right, I got to start stacking these here. So, I, you know, give myself a little bit of a lead. Does it yeah. tell you when someone else beats your current score? I forgot. I think when you beat someone's, it doesn't tell you when they beat you, but okay. it tells you when you beat them, I believe. At least on the PS4 version. I don't think this is on the PS3. I think it was an addition to the HD remake. Yeah. See, I I totally, I think I'm, I, I'd have to go back and look because I don't remember it popping up somebody else's numbers, which means either I'm worse than all of you at this, or uh, yeah, just, I just don't remember... Oh, you must have got past Q Dog. Maybe maybe it happened so early I didn't even realize it. I think when I when <laughs> he's I... played it though, he's played it. I know. I mean, he was the one for. I brought up the CC one hundred, right? And and uh, Eric was the one who did the the voiceover for that. I know that he he likes this game a lot. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done the voiceover for it. For sure, he just must have done did a you know a no kill run or something because I think maybe. we all got the. You beat the Mighty Q Dog announcement. There you go. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Mighty Q Dog is Team Chloe or Team Elena? Oh, I, I think he likes it a little dirtier. So, I think he's going Chloe. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Q's got dark hair, right? Yep. All right. Oh. Hmm. Dog's getting dirty. <laughs> Out of respect. All right. Good. Okay. <laughs> Anything we missed? Anything else you guys want to want to? I know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. If I had a quip about something, it's that I have to hit a button to collect my ammo. Does that drive anyone else crazy? Nope. I'm fifty-fifty on it. I'm I like used, that option. I'm used these to games. Game- yeah, I mean, in this case, there's the chance that you could be cycling weapons so uh, frequently. 
But one of the drawbacks to having you pick up all the ammo is that you could actually accidentally switch to, you know, like Joe, you said you didn't like the shotguns, right? Like if you had a shotgun sitting amongst a whole bunch of other things, if you just happen to be pointed at the wrong one, all of a sudden you swapped weapons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's not a good way to stop that. Or I don't know if I couldn't see the grenades good enough where they are on the ground, but you could see the notifications. You just start hitting the pickup, you know, the grenade button, but you're actually you're throwing your gun away and picking up a piece of crap yeah. gun or something. Uh, I just if if it's ammo, just it should be auto pickup. I'm if it's ammo for it. something that you have, yeah, 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 equipped, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Especially if they're trying, yeah, because then then you still let the other guns exist on the ground. Yeah, for the gun I have equipped, I should just automatically pick it up as long as I run over it. That's what I would have liked to see. But no, that's a good that's a good uh, a good one there. I know we uh, <clears throat> we touched on it briefly before we were talking about Nathan's uh, journal. And at the start of this uh, record, we had said when we'd asked what we thought about him. You know, I, it was it was said that he's essentially a thief in general. But when you really took a look at his journal, I liked how it showed not just his, you know, side of of collecting or hunting, but it also showed a more personal side because there was different pages where there was like two pages where it showed. I guess it was all the women that he was in love with because it had their names. It had a flower taped to the page by their name. And it also had like their phone numbers in it. And um, I think Elena and Chloe were in that, in those two pages as well. So that sort of showed like a more personal side, I guess, of him, as well as um, it had some comedic pages in there as well. There was two pages that had uh, Sully in there and it had um, different what was it? Different expressions. Oh yeah. He had drawn different expressions over the same photo, delight, compassion, anger, and something else. So that was sort of like a comedic take. And then there was another page where he had, it was called the scare meter and going from uh, least scary to most scary. Like it was uh, Sully's mustache, uh, slippery naked guy, and then the uh, Sasquatch creatures as the most scary. <laughs> and not funny. to mention, when, aside from those comedic pages, if you really stopped and did a nice close up and looked at the uh, the other pages, there was really good detail drawn for some of the statues and some of the maps and stuff that were comparable to what was in game. So I, I went down a bit of a wormhole after reading that journal and just. Um, other people had recreated them on YouTube, so I was looking at that. I just thought it was a nice addition to the game. I like it when they give you details like that that you can choose to whether or to go into or whether or not to bother with it. Yeah, for sure. I can I can see Joe, whose games he normally plays are static images for three hours with dialogue. I can see him getting sucked into Drake's journal for, he probably put 17 hours into the journal. Just, just on one page. Right. It was a good read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It helps. It helps flush out. I, I didn't realize there was the stuff about like with like the, the phone numbers and things like that. That's that shows a more, um, Oh, 
sentimental side to Nate that I don't think that I don't think you would get otherwise. Um, yeah, like if the flowers weren't there, it'd be more like of a, a hookup kind of page, a black book type. Yeah, of thing. but I think because he incorporated these flowers and taped them to the pages, it meant that these women at one point or another sort of had some sort of meaning to him, like a special meaning. Yeah, that's nice. And Bill, you should talk to Joe about the new what the Rimono game. Yutawari <laughs> Rimono. There you I'll go. Be, I'll be buying that when it comes out. You gave me all the links to it, Must. I know. So. I know. I kept getting emails about it. So I was like, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to let Joe know about this. It's a Dynasty Warriors game. Anyway. Wow. That'll be exciting. I think, <laughs> I think we have. Uh, come to the end of at least our thoughts unless you guys had any final things to talk about but if not i want to toss things over to ryan uh we had some nice contributions from members of the community uh in the forums this month in particular i was very pleased to see that uh and we have a little something special and then we're going to play as well uh but ryan uh let me go ahead and have you have you talk about what uh what people said as they were playing along with prime this month so uh, we had a couple of new community members say some of the things that they were thinking about the game of the month. Uh, one of them being Disposable Hero. He wrote a couple of things. One of them, which I agree with kind of right here at the top, which is he wrote, I also wanted to add that this feels nice to be playing a game that is fairly straightforward and linear when so many games these days are huge open world experiences. While I enjoy these types of games, I get a bit, a bit fatigued with them after a while. And I completely agree with that settlement. I I really, really like a nice straightforward game. Just to kind of tell me point A to point B, go you know, and like delivering experience like this. I I still like open world games, but sometimes it's just a nice breath of fresh air, just to kind of have an easily guided point A to point B to where to go. I know he wrote other things, but I just really wanted to mention that that comment right here. And we also have um Ben, aka Squall fifty forty two, and he wrote when this game came out game was, was a bright splash of color in a sea of brown and gray military industrial shooters. The story and acting kept me engaged, but uh, it didn't take itself too serious. The banter between characters was playful and fun, especially with Marco Polo pool mo moment. Moments like these really made me care about the characters. Uh, he goes on to say that the gameplay can get a bit tiring, however. There's so many times the railing of the, or a structure can fall apart on you as soon as you touch it. And it just becomes expected. Um, shooting feels good with an appropriate amount of precision and weight to it. Though I feel it can be a little bit of a bullet sponge uh, enemies towards the end there. All in all, a solid game that I would recommend. And it, it's one that I also share. Like, um, Granted, this game came out in some time. But I feel as if, if you're new to the PS3, I think it's a game that really you should really give a shot to playing. And we also have a audio submission. Before you do the audio submission, I wanted to bring up Top Spot's post again. Top Spot put in a lot of thought into a, a very substantial post. Now, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna read through the whole thing. We've already kind of incorporated a little bit of it into into the story, but I want to again give some thanks to him for putting his thoughts together. Uh, and it was fun because he had his copy of Uncharted Two still sealed, uh, and he did a a live uh, Twitter opening of uh, of that game. And then play, and then 
obviously took the time to play through it, which was awesome. So again, I encourage you to check out our forums over at cartridgeclub.org, uh, where we always have a thread for the game of the month. We encourage people to interact throughout the month if you are interested, but uh, it's great to get some people, especially seeing some new, uh, some new people getting involved with uh, with that sort of posting. Thank you for doing that. It's awesome. And it helps, helps us know that, um, the games that we're selecting are fun and that the ones they're ones that you guys have opinions on as well. So Ryan, uh, I cut you off. Sorry. No oh. one more. So we have uh Sean, AKA cartridge bros player one. He said he wanted to submit an audio one. He originally was going to be on the show as a third guest, but with the time and recording, it just didn't work out for us. So uh, with that being said, he wanted to get his submission in here. So he sent me an audio portion and, Feel free if you guys want to have your own take read live on there. We'll come up away with an easier way to send this to the show here, and we will more than likely play it on the show. So here is Sean's take on Uncharted 2. What can I say about Uncharted 2? Well, it's very likely the reason that the franchise still exists, so there's that. I played Uncharted a few years ago and found that as an experience it was just okay for me. The gameplay wasn't groundbreaking, the story didn't grab me, and the characters were generic. If it hadn't been for Ryan and Musty selecting this as the June game of the month, that's probably where my story would have ended. After some pushing by Ryan, and a days of play sale, I decided to give the sequel a shot. I couldn't be happier that I did. Right away it felt different from its predecessor. Everything was bigger, the characters, the story, and the set pieces. Uncharted 2 reminded me why I loved Sony's first party titles, and it triggered a buying frenzy of some of their critically acclaimed story-driven games, and I can't wait to dive into them. So I just want to say thanks, guys, for having a club that pushes me to step outside of my show. That was Sean. Yay! Thank you, Sean. Yeah, so feel free if you want to do this. It'll save me a time from reading on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the show, everyone. With that being said, I want to thank our guests for being on the show. Bill, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, well, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate uh, the chance to come on the Cartridge Club Prime episode. It's a lot of fun to, to share the presence of you guys. It's really good. Uh, we have a podcast, uh, Start to Continue Podcast, STC Pod. It comes out every Friday. You can look for that. Uh, and my co-host is uh, sharing this broadcast uh, with me right now, and that's Joe. But he's got a lot more to talk about. Go ahead, Joe. Well, thanks for having me on, guys, for a second time. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, as Bill and I are both uh, proud members of the Cartridge Club, and wherever we go, we always uh, tell people about the Cartridge Club. Proud to be members of it, and we're proud to know you guys and everyone else. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AC Decepticon. Bill already mentioned uh, stcpod.com, where you can find all our links. And you can also find me on YouTube at My Life in Collecting. Thanks for being here, guys. And for myself, you can find me on Twitter at It's Rocket Sauce. I have an Instagram with the same the same uh, handle at It's Rocket Sauce. And I will be streaming is a new thing. I will be streaming um, Game of the Month for games that I'm more familiar with. I don't <laughs> I don't trust myself with uh, knowing how I am. My frustrations in playing an unfamiliar game. So, uh, so only only first plays for you, or only uh, casual playthroughs, not not blind playthroughs for you. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I am. 
So look forward to next month's game, Arkham City. But yeah, you can find me. I believe I, my handle is the same on on Twitch as well, and it's Rocket Sauce. Musty, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so the best place to find me social-wise is Twitter, uh, at Musty Hobbit. And uh, you can find me about three times a week on Twitch, at twitch.tv slash Musty Hobbit. Uh, I still have the YouTube channel, uh, which is Second Breakfast. Uh, you can find me there as well. But yeah, thanks a lot for, for coming out, guys. Again, Ryan just mentioned that next month, July, we are playing Batman Arkham City, which you can find on the Xbox 360, on the Xbox One as part of the uh, Return to Arkham remaster, and that's on Game Pass as well. It's also available on the Wii U. It's on the PS3, the PS4, and the PC. So if you do decide to play Arkham City with us this month, uh, and or if you simply have the game in your collection, tweet out a picture of the game, the start screen, you playing. Uh, make sure you tag it with hashtag playalongwithprime. We'll be taking all the individuals who end up using that hashtag and putting them into a drawing uh, that we draw at the CC Awards, and we'll be picking one individual to select a game of the month for the month of March. So uh, more details to come there, but... Please let people know that you are playing along or that this is the game of the month that we have selected for each month. I would also like to point you again at the forums. We made a bunch of announcements at our E3 coverage for the first six months of season seven. I won't go through reiterating them here, but check out cartridgeclub.org to Arkham City is one that uh, we should hit a pretty wide spectrum of people if you are interested in playing that. If that's not your jam and you want to get a head start on August game of the month, we'll be playing Chrono Trigger. That is our uh, season six finale. So we'll be playing that in August. Hit the forums there. We have all the games laid out there for, for the foreseeable future. We'll also want to give special recognition to our sister podcast, which is CC Portable. And Curtis has selected Super Princess Peach for the Nintendo DS for the month of july and if any of you let me just say if you're interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice i'd again like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community we are again extremely grateful to those supporters if you're interested in becoming one uh, please check out our offerings at patreon.com cartridge club aside from that uh, we look forward to hearing from you next month cc unite